0: This is the Registry Podcast. Welcome to the Real Perspectives Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of commercial real estate, bringing you real stories from real people. I'm your host, Vladimir Bosanets, and today we're thrilled to welcome Jody Elsom, the dynamic managing partner and owner of Seattle based Project Planning Partners. Jody isn't just a leader in the project planning realm. She's also the passionate owner of a winery, Elsem Cellars. In this special episode, we're joining Jody at her winery to explore her multifaceted career. From navigating the complexities of commercial real estate to the intricacies of winemaking, Jody's journey is nothing short of inspiring. So pour yourself a glass and join us as we learn about her leadership at the Project Planning Partners and delve into her experiences as she gears up for the upcoming harvest. It's a conversation packed with insights, laughter, and of course, a love for great wine. Welcome to the podcast, Jody. Jody, good afternoon. How's it going?
1: Great. Good afternoon.
0: How are you? Where do we find you today?
1: Oh, well, I am hiding in uh, wi- my winery warehouse, uh, trying to hide from all the noise from our production activities.
0: Excellent, and that serves as your little studio today for our podcast recording, so <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I do want to ask you a little bit about your winery also, so we'll we'll get into that um, in, uh, in a few minutes. But uh, before we do, uh, tell us a little bit about your background in the industry, how you started a company, and sort of, you know, what does your company do?
1: Sure, yeah, I started my career out of uh, college many, many years ago um, in the mid-90s, and I was working for a general contractor. It was a large general contractor that had opened up an office um, here in Seattle from the Bay Area, and I was one of their very first employees, so it uh, gave me the advantage of being able to get my hands into everything and learn all different aspects of business because it was pretty much a everybody-does-everything kind of position and I followed a little bit of the roller coaster with them as things got busy in the late 90s, and then as they dropped off in um, the early 2000s, and then they departed and went back up to the Bay Area, and um, it opened up the door for me to start working with some of those clients directly. I had uh, gained their trust and um, had developed those relationships, and so um, one of client in particular said, well, can you just uh, manage this directly for us? and I said, "Why not?"
0: Yeah, the rest is history. Running your own business, right? Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, how big is the company now? You know, where where are you guys in terms of you know you know size and uh, types of projects that you do?
1: Yeah, I've got uh, five employees that are working with me right now, and um, we are managing projects that range in size from. uh, Let's see, we just we just finished a. A home that was about two and a half million dollars out in Port Townsend, which is a fun little project, and then um, and then we're working on a project that's about seven hundred million, so okay. pretty substantial range.
0: Yeah, yeah. And your uh, sort of expertise with with this enterprise is around sort of healthcare and life science, right? Is that a fair um, assessment?
1: Yes. The, I'd say 99.9% of the work that I do is with the life science and, and healthcare projects. Um, and then occasionally I've got a client who, who uh, has a little side project and something fun that they want help with. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in terms of geography, where does uh, uh, project planning partners uh, you know, go? How far do you, you know, venture from, uh, from the Pacific Northwest?
1: Um, We pretty much encompass all of the Pacific Northwest. We've done projects down in the Portland area as well as eastern Washington. Um, But the majority of our work is right here in the Seattle area.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about the business, you know, how um, how it started, you know, maybe talk about some of the milestones. And then I want to you know, touch a little bit on also on, you know, just the state of the sort of market in terms of like what you're seeing from, you know, healthcare, life science side of things.
1: Sure. That's a lot of questions. (laughs) We
0: can can go one by one. No, no pressure (laughs) and no rush here. We have all the time in the world.
1: Perfect. (laughs) Well, when, um, when I was working for the general contractor, it was obviously a pretty myopic view of um, the development world and as I started to work with the clients independently, I realized how much of a need that they really had to bring in some expertise to supplement their their internal knowledge on what it takes to actually build out an interior space or develop a piece of property and um, and really recognizing that that's not their core business and having somebody who does have that expertise and knowledge is invaluable it helps to make the process go a lot smoother. Um, it's, I'm almost like a translator between different languages. A lot of the times just to make sure everyone's really, truly understanding one another and, and we're meeting the right goals and needs. Um, so that, Evolution for me has been um, has been pretty dramatic in terms of really shifting that approach from you know just get it done and meet a timeline to really really looking back and from the owner's perspective, helping to understand the holistic goals and what the spaces and the um, developments really mean to them. Um, and everyone has a different goal, and and just making sure that that team is aligned in order to meet those goals appropriately.
0: Have you found during this time that the work that you do has also evolved? I imagine the answer is yes, but I'm curious sort of, you know, how and um, especially, you know, what that meant for you guys as an organization over the last, you know, three years as we've all kind of evolved into um, something new (laughs) through, through our experiences, you know, working from home and remotely and that kind of thing.
1: It's, you know, one of the primary focuses of my business has been about building teams and bringing people together. And doing that virtually has a much different uh, perspective and challenge than it obviously does doing it um, in person. But um, I think a lot of, a lot of our, uh, the shift in how we've approached the projects, so though, has been much more focused on the risk mitigation and a lot more conservative on when we pull the strings on those mitigation measures, uh, one of the things obviously that a lot of us have learned during COVID is things can rapidly change in the environment and um, being prepared to make sure that the pathway ahead is, is planned and things can fall in line appropriately is imperative. Otherwise, you've got significant costs and schedule impacts that are not wanted in any scenario.
0: Right, right. Have you found uh, sort of the project cycles change? Have you found that sort of the way you interact with your clients also evolved during this time?
1: Um, The project cycles and the way that we approach projects has definitely changed. We're looking much sooner at the market conditions and the stability of different materials and products and the whole supply chain um, approach has had a significant impact on how we look at projects for sure. Um, during, during COVID, as things started to uh, unravel and, you know, noticing prices escalating dramatically and supply chain issues starting to impact things, uh, we grabbed a warehouse and we started stocking up on what we know we needed to complete the project so that we were able to avoid having any significant delays from our supply chain challenges.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and often you hear throughout the uh, you know construction in industry and you know development that the project teams are a lot more integrated these days. They begin to work together a lot sooner. That you know the architects and the project sort of you know planners and construction firms and subs are all kind of you know, one team, right? Um, I'm curious, you know, from from your point of view, because you are representing the, you know, the, the end user in some cases, you know, how is that evolving? And, you know, is it is it a skill that is learned as, or is it a skill that you also think uh, just come naturally in sort of the industry as well?
1: Well, I definitely think that the teams are much more integrated. I think we have much different um, issues facing us today than we did, you know, five, 10 years ago the costs of, of materials are constantly fluctuating the availability of those materials are fluctuating and really sitting side by side with the design team and the construction teams so that we can understand what are the right design choices in order to make sure that that things still um, track towards our budget and schedule goals and we're able to achieve the, what we what we are expecting. Um, and that partnership, even when you come into complicated mechanical systems for, um, healthcare, it's, it's really nice to have that contractor who's actually putting that work in place, sit alongside the designer and come up with the right solution and, and really think creatively at what's going to be best for that specific project. It's not a cookie. There there is no cookie cutter. It's like the, um, codes are changing. uh, We're becoming much more energy efficient the equipment that supplies the the HVAC systems is constantly evolving and we're testing new equipment on the each project. It's a, a new vendor, a yeah. new model. It's like, okay, this is more energy efficient. And with that comes a lot of challenges.
0: Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, as, uh, over the last couple of years, um, certainly with the kind of advent of the of the you know pandemic and um, you know all of the um, focus on you know vac- vaccines and sort of research in the life science industry, right? Um, that is you know spurred by you know technology and all of these other things. Um, I I imagine that um, that in many ways. Um, you know, that industry was, you know, more active over the last few years and and you know, we also saw that from from just us following the you know market in general than it has in the past. Do you find that this sort of elevated level of activity, development, construction will, will continue in this space? You know, how 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 is that industry, you know, faring today?
1: I think that the larger companies and the institutional companies are doing Doing great and going to continue to do so. Um, it really depends. It, a lot of it is based on funding and financing as to who's really doing what. But what we're starting to see is a lot of really great partnerships form with the different life science companies and mergers so that they can afford to continue to innovate. I mean, here in Seattle, we live in this innovative hub. We've got so much R&D going on, not only um, in all the medical fields, but technology as well. And that doesn't doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. And so institutions are going to continue to invest in their real estate so that they can get their best researchers and the best people here to come up with innovative solutions and people are still getting sick and we need to find a way to stop that um and the only real way we're going to do that is if we've got uh the right researchers and the right facilities to support their innovation
0: yeah i've i've heard somebody say to me once you know we're still having cured the human condition so it'll it'll be an ongoing <laughs> it'll be an ongoing kind of thing right um in terms of you know where um life science developments have typically you know sprung up uh, at least in the past i would say you know 10 20 years it seems that they evolved within certain geographical you know clusters right so for whatever reason whether they want to be close to a certain university or close to uh, to a certain you know neighborhood in a, in, a, in a certain town or city they they seem to kind of you know you know mushroom around one one area has that happened across the sort of greater puget sound and and are you also seeing some parts emerge, um, you know, uh, elsewhere throughout, throughout the region.
1: Well, Canyon Park and up there in Bothell area was probably one of our first little hubs here locally. Um, and, and it's really ideal for there to be these hubs um, so that you can get the resources for supplies to be delivered to a central location. But I think more importantly, it's the people. Um, And so if you've got a great institution like we um, have with the Fred Hutch and the University of Washington here, then it's going to spur all these other creative researchers that are just going to want to center around that major institution to draw from all of the creative minds that are there to really help to build their companies. So the, the hubs are important, I think, to their success. And um, South Lake Union is the is the next big one. We're already seeing quite a lot of development going on there and a, quite a lot of people moving in um, and really surrounding the Fred Hush campus there. So it's, it's fun to see that in the in the center of the city and so close to the city um, and finally taking form there as well.
0: One of the things that we've seen is that um, sometimes these hubs will evolve uh, in areas simply because they kind of run out of space in certain parts where they um, where there uh, was typically more construction. Um, so I am curious if, you know, we have seen a little bit of you know industrial to life science conversion happen if then all of a sudden, uh, some you know bigger industrial sort of you know neighborhoods, across the region um, may become little mini clusters. Um, is that something that you may anticipate happening in the future?
1: I know there's a lot of developers looking at uh, a lot of these vacant office buildings to try to figure out how easy they would be to convert and repurpose them to support life science companies. Um, the challenges are with our the floor-to-floor heights and being able to get all the mechanical distribution in for the air air, air changes. Um, and the load on the slab and vibration and it can go on and on, on the challenges with that, but a yeah. lot of people are doing it. And, um, and I think it will create some additional little hubs. Um, and it, it's nice to see it throughout the city though. And it's in these little neighborhoods. Um, we're seeing obviously down on, um, off of El- on Elliot Bay, off of Western down there, there's a few going in there as well. And, um, but there's still... They're still clustered here, right around that north end of the city, for the most part.
0: In terms of um, you know life science and medical clients, are there certain specialties in this region that are evolving that are maybe more specific to the Puget Sound region?
1: We have a lot of innovative technology here, so you're seeing with especially with cancer research, and that's where most of the work that I've been doing is um, for supporting cancer patients and the way that we're approaching it here that is a little bit different from what i've seen in some of the surrounding areas is is much more patient focused and um and i say that because like the one of the spaces that we just we just finished building it was they're really truly focused on bringing everything to the patient and trying to ensure that the patient is is impacted the least amount. They're impacting the rest of of the facility and the providers and making them do the work, not the patient. And um, it's becoming more of a consumer approach, perhaps that's the right way to put it. It's um, ensuring that they're comfortable along their journey, that they're taking care of, that it's the least amount of work on their part to get the treatments that they need.
0: Um, Jody, you guys have worked with Fred Hutch, whom you already mentioned in uh, you know one of your answers. I am I am curious about um, you know that organization and the sort of you know level of you know engagement that that you've done there for for them.
1: Um, I just recently finished uh, developing the new their new clinic expansion building on campus. It was one of the first uh, new buildings that they have built in quite some time on campus, and uh, we broke ground just right before covid and we um have opened up the last floor just a couple months ago so it was a um fun time to to build a project with a a very innovative and um and important client um they 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 went in opening up this facility they were really opening up a new model of care for the patients um, focused on bringing all the services to the patient and making sure that that patient journey is in um the prime focus of how they delivered care. And it was really fun to work with them to figure out how to accommodate the facility um, to meet those needs. And we spent we spent weeks and months in a warehouse with cardboard mockups, simulating all of the different workflows for staff and patients and streamlining how everyone would interact and make sure that that experience was, was the best that it could possibly be.
0: Everybody in construction, I imagine, over the last few years, has been affected by either logistical issues, uh, you know, costs, you know, uh, being, um, you know, not able to, you know, procure certain elements that need to go into the, you know, development process. I'm, I'm curious, kind of where we are today. Have things stabilized a little bit, and um, if for those things that haven't, you know, where, where, where are the lag times still? and for which products?
1: Well, obviously things were pretty crazy and hectic as COVID um, first started to unravel. And um, we are seeing some stabilization, but electronics are still not coming back to what they were. And actually a lot of products aren't, we've got to think and plan ahead much sooner than we have ever had to do in order to secure the materials that we want, whether it be steel or wood Um, and costs are much higher as well but electronics is still is still one that's um that's biting us uh that we had some some additions and changes um on the project for fred hutch that we recently completed and just to get some of the av equipment or card readers it's it's months and months and months more than it it ever has been.
0: Yeah. um, But you are seeing light at the end of the tunnel, sounds like things are beginning to normalize a little bit. Um, Is that, is that accurate?
1: I think things are starting to normalize a little bit um, and, and uh, much less volatile, at, at least when, when we're quoted durations. For lead times, they're they're realistic and, and right. we're able to plan and <laughs> so, count <on> so, them <laughs> So there's there's a new
0: normal. It's just that the normal is not where it used to be in twenty nineteen, essentially Ex- essentially, right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're we're having to buy things much earlier in the process in order to ensure we've got our hands on them when yeah, we need them. Yeah.
0: Shifting gears here a little bit. Um, I'm curious, you know, as a business owner, um, you know, you you don't have a you know you know, a big team, but I'm sure that, you know, you guys work, you know, very deeply together. Um, As new technology evolves and new things sort of coming to, you know, play in all aspects of our lives, I am curious from, you know, you running your business, you know, are you finding that the people that you're working with um, also have to keep up with that sort of innovation in terms of, you know, how to utilize new tools, how to uh, be more effective, um, you know, things like that
1: most definitely I think um, we're seeing a lot more um, advantageous use with um, some of these project management programs um, just in order to improve communications so we've been using slack and Trello quite a bit which we never we, we were sitting yep. across from each other before so we didn't you know need those type of tools um, but they actually have come in really handy to keep everybody on track know who's doing what and if if there's something that you know Alec is working on that I need to know about, I can just easily look it up on a Trello page um, or shoot him a quick message in Slack. It, it's been pretty efficient. Actually, I do believe that that has improved our efficiency and overall communications.
0: As a business owner, obviously, um, I'm sure you always think about the future and the sustainability of of your business. Not sustainability in a sense of you know being mm-hmm. green, but you know living a long life as a company, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you know, as you look at you know this next cycle, uh, which I would argue we've we've you know entered. Um, does your work? Do you begin to retool what you do? Are you looking at things? How to, you know, reinvent some of the things that you do? Is it a combination of those those things? You know, what's what's on your We're mind?
1: Constantly looking at how do we improve communications. I think that's really at the heart of what we do is to make sure everyone knows what's going on and what they're supposed to be doing to keep things moving forward. Um, so, always looking at different tools to help improve that um, and. And with each client, too, they've got a different level of uh, sensitivity or acceptance of tools. And so it's always just readapting to what's going to meet their needs and help to make sure that everyone understands their place in the project and how all the puzzle pieces come together to get to the end goal.
0: I imagine that means you have Slack and Microsoft Teams <laughs> and Google Chat and all the other sort of products on your computer yes. <laughs> based on uh, based on who wants to use what. Oh, is, that, yes. is that accurate? So we have
1: um, definitely developed some flexibility and diversity in our tools, which um, yeah. it does take a learning curve with each each new one. But, um, but there's a lot of similarities too. And so it's just it's just instead of having, you know, multiple alerts from one program you're getting multiple alerts from multiple different programs
0: shifting gears again um at the beginning of our call we you know mentioned that you're sitting in a in a warehouse at a winery um, I have found, you know, people who are entrepreneurial are always entrepreneurial. They're always kind of looking to add on <laughs> to stuff that they're working. It, it sounds like you are of that, uh, you know, cloth as well. Um, tell us about that business. And I'm curious also as a kind of a, you know, business owner, lessons learned in each or in both that kind of helps you, you know, be successful in, you know, the other.
1: Well, my friends make fun of me because they're always laughing as to you know what new business venture are you chasing these days, and you know what else do you got on your plate. So I I do love taking these ideas and just exploring them and and pushing them forward. And the winery was definitely one of those passions. Um, it I, I started the winery in two thousand six, so both of the businesses essentially at the same time, and um, it really came from working for that general contractor that was based in the bay area because i had to go down to visit and so close to napa i had to extend weekends to tour wineries but um, i think the most important aspect of it for me though was every one of their offices they have a wine bar and that wine bar served as the gathering place and sharing of lessons learned and for me it really established that community building component which is what I have tried to do with the the winery here in Seattle as well. And from a lessons learned perspective, it is all about community, and it's about taking. It takes a village to build a project. It takes a village to you know harvest the wine and bring bring the wine to, yeah. together. And um, that's the aspect that really kind of ties between the two for me. And um, I love I love building teams and, and seeing how we can come together to accomplish what we're set out to do.
0: Yeah. I'm, I am, um, I am a little, uh, you know, curious that you also didn't mention the, project management aspect of you know managing a winery <laughs> which is probably you know another th- thing in which you excel and uh, you know which sort of intersects between the two the two well, businesses ironically right? but, when um, i started the
1: winery i was telling people that this was my creative outlet for all the chaos of you know trying trying to manage all the chaos and put it into a linear form with the projects At that point, I was naive to how much of that translated over. And I literally have my logistic plans. And I mean, we've only got so many resources, and you can only allocate them in so many ways, no matter what you're looking at. So I've got my lovely logistics plan to figure out how many harvest bins I have to go where. And when that fruit comes in, how many fermentation bins do I have to make sure the capacity aligns? And then, you know, Mother Nature comes into the mix and throws your plan all out of. Whack
0: <laughs> yes, yes, um, I am curious um, you know as you uh, as your business is you know mature, obviously, right um, I am sure you are you know looking at you know younger people entering the entering the business, right um, what are some of the skill sets that you think uh, you know from your experience are going to be you know s- you know really valuable? Um, in in this industry, and and by industry, I should clarify the um, project uh, management, the, uh, <laughs> project planning. <laughs> right? I, like, yeah. I think, yeah, right. you know,
1: I think the most important aspect that I look for is really patience and people skills. Um, I, making sure that somebody is able to communicate that they really understand and can be intuitive on what people need and how to resolve and, and come to the right conclusion and bring the right people together to solve problems. So it takes a lot of patience to be able to weed through all of the chaos and figure out what's really needed and to deal with all the different personalities that, that are intermixed in a project. So um, those by far are the most important but then you add the technology component to it, and you've just got to be able to juggle a bunch of different things at the same time and keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. Your uh, highlight there is is more on the interpersonal, right, and the ability to kind of, you know, problem solve and kind of handhold people, right? I mean, that seems to be, um, from what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, um, those are those are the sort of key skills is that correct? I
1: really believe so. I mean you can you can teach people the tools for the most part but you but you can't really teach people how to be patient and how to work with people and to really understand how to develop high performing teams that want to work together. It, it's it's a lot harder to teach that.
0: How do you um, you know foresee the industry evolving over this next cycle and even you know further into the next decade, if you will? Um, you know, how will people you know find companies like yours to work for? Um, you know, wh- where will this work come from?
1: Yeah, you know, so much of what we. Um, are evolving it so much of the work that we're doing is evolving to be online and it's evolving to be more um, based on technology which I think is missing a big part of what it truly takes to build a project Um, so we're we're following the technology and we're keeping up with those with those components of it but in the end it's the relationships, when you need to call in a favor or when things get tough, that helps to push things through. So we're still working on making sure that we've got the, the relationships established, that we're, we're creating that trust and respect within the community alongside implementing all the technology tools to help facilitate the projects moving forward. What was the second part of your question? <laughs>
0: Uh, the second part of the question was, you know, how will how will folks, um, you know, find companies like like yours, and you know, get into this business? Oh, right, in the general. part that
1: I avoid—the whole marketing part. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've done the majority of my business based on um, referrals, and. Um, and that's that's been my my source for the next project. And so I think the best way to find people is to ask around, go to people that have done it. You know what worked, what didn't, and you know did you have a partner to help facilitate it? And if you didn't, how can I find one? Um, because I think it really does help to have that expertise to help guide things through much more efficiently.
0: As we close our conversation, Jody, I, I always you know like to kind of. Um ask a final question around you know some advice to your younger self this is a you know podcast that, that we've introduced as a way to you know try to bring the industry closer to a younger demographic that's entering the industry right and so um part of that i am curious you know if if you know some of the things that you wish you knew or some of the things that you learned along the way that um, you would like to share with others
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. I think the one though that I keep telling my kids as they're um, exiting high school and going into college is is to make sure that you really enjoy the journey and all the moments along the way. Um, that there's that there's really more to life than just um, the chaos. Oh, hang on a sec.
0: <laughs> as as we witness some of it
1: <laughs> As we witness some of it Yes um, You know in the middle of all the, the harvest I'm hiding where the forklift is And they needed it <laughs> so sorry about that um yeah no I think it's really I'm gonna go back because it's really about enjoying the journey and everything along the way and I keep trying to emphasize that to them I think I've spent so much of my career looking out for what could go wrong instead of focusing on what's going right because there's a lot that goes right along the projects and we need to celebrate those moments and really embrace them alongside looking out for you know all the inevitable obstacles that are going to come your way but enjoying the moments today along the way
0: wonderful Jody. it's been uh, such a pleasure speaking with you and hearing more about your business um, I wish you well I, I hope it's a great harvest and um, I hope one day you know the um, you know 2023 vintage ends up being one of, one of your top sellers
1: beautiful thank you very much I've enjoyed speaking with you as well
0: That was another episode of the Real Perspectives podcast, and we thank you for taking the time to listen to it. Conversations like these help us comprehend our evolving industry better and hopefully provide a perspective that helps you understand the dynamics of commercial real estate. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our show and tell your colleagues about it. That is the best way to spread the news and help us remain relevant across the industry. Cheers.